I walked my ass off today. You and John are kicking our asses right now. John went to the gym and then came home, walked the dog, and went for another walk. Meanwhile, I'm stuck at my computer watching you guys toddle off to Mordor. I'm so upset. My sister's texting me. She's like, who are these people? It's really important to me that I get to Mordor. But I I think until I realized that this thing was actually going to trap like our step count. Yeah. I was like, okay, so I'll do an ex- like a proper exercise and like log that. But no, it's going to track my steps. Like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna murder this thing. I chase after a toddler and like carry yeah. around a newborn all day. And like every time one of those fuckers needs to go to sleep, I gotta carry him back and forth around the house. So oh my god, yeah. And then like today was just crazy. We did zoo, and then no. for some reason I decided after the zoo I would uh, just do a 5k run. What are you doing? And then after that. Fiona's like, I'm not working this afternoon. Let's let's head for a walk. And so we did like a nine or 10K walk downtown and back like to Princess Island Park. Oh God, I hate you guys. I did a 4K run today and I was like, ha, putting some distance. No. I'm just like, well, this kid's sleeping. I'm going to do this. I'm going for it. I need to get to Mordor. <sighs> if you uh, can't figure out what the fuck we're talking about, uh, Lexi and I have both uh, decided to participate in something called the Shire Conqueror Challenge or whatever. Um, it's a five stage, I don't know, exercise. Yeah. It's a virtual marathon. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. Cause I feel like a marathon implies like we're actually going to go do X, like a hundred K or whatever in one continuous go. And yeah. that's not quite what this is. <laughs> this is like, we got like a year or six months. We, we've all decided. Yeah. Lexi and I decided <laughs> we'd give ourselves a time limit of six months, uh, because that is how long it took. Uh, the hobbitses to get the precious to the fires of Mount Doom. Yes. And uh, toss that sucker in. So, yeah, that is our goal to also complete the same number of kilometers in six months. Um, yeah, I got to get going. Yeah. So, as soon as we're done here, I'm going for a walk or a run or both. The first leg of this is getting out of the Shire, um, which apparently is just the largest expanse <laughs> of territory. Uh, I had no idea. Tolkien be crazy. Um, but yeah, I've got 14, 14% on this uh, journey so far uh, of this first leg in the Shire. So I feel feeling okay. 199.7 kilometers left to go uh, for this leg of the journey. Uh, I have 1% done so far. So I mean, that is not nothing. That is where I thought I would be, but it turns out having kids... It's- practically nothing it is one point higher than nothing all right you have a you have a good a good argument there i feel like i haven't even left bilbo's house like i'm still like finishing my like sausages well before i leave as you know it took uh, frodo like 17 years to get out of uh, bag end before before you know gandalf returned and told him about the ring so yeah bilbo had been gone 17 years by the time frodo <laughs> left We're cool. Uh, okay, so we're very yeah. cool. Hey guys, our exercise even has to be dorky. Running a fake race. Yeah, it's not a real race, but we're getting real medals, which you know, just re yeah. uh, millennial participation ribbon. I don't care. I want my Lord of the Rings, and I'm gonna wear them. Oh, I want them so. We're gonna bad. take photos of us wearing them in six months' time. You know yes, what we, we are. are? Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. We'll make some sort of Mordor dance for TikTok. Oh God. Yeah. I heard Steven say something like that. Oh, we'll show off our we'll show off our 
our whatevers. Yeah, our fancy participation trophies. And we get a ring. <gasps> we actually get like a one ring in the back of something or other. Yeah, we do. Yeah, because these uh, these like these medals, when you complete like certain legs, they they come with an envelope and some shit in them. I'm so excited. And one of the shits that you get is the one ring, which apparently there's just thousands of. So I kind of hope you get it before the last the last leg. As you get into Mordor, we should run somewhere and then throw the ring away as a symbolic. (laughs) No, I want that ring. No, you're right. We should. We should run to the top of like Tam- Tom Campbell's hill or something <laughs> and just chuck them. Or a hoodoo. Yeah, and then immediately run down the hoodoo and go pick it up because we don't litter. Fall <laughs> down the hoodoo. If you've ever hung out in the Badlands, you're you're falling down that hoodoo. You're not running down it. We'll we'll send a picture of a hoodoo. You're, you're taking a header down a hoodoo. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, this is, uh, as you've no doubt guessed at this point, Dork Matters. theme song don't run <laughs> i was trying to paint some cabinets this week and i don't have a spray like a, mm. a proper like mm-hmm. spray gun for painting things with a proper finish without streaks so i googled how to paint cabinet doors um as if you're air air gunning them or spray gunning them and uh so i found this helpful tutorial that's like paint them with a paintbrush make sure you lay it on thick and then use a dry roller to go over top and you'll You'll get the paint will settle right down and you won't have any streak marks left when you're done. And I was like, this is great. And then the guy sort of zooms back out and he's wearing a these colors don't run t-shirt. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? Wishing I hadn't learned something from you. No. Oh, the, you don't know that. It's that uh, that sort of American t-shirt, nationalistic t-shirt. And it's usually worn by the same sorts of people that wear thin blue line stuff and uh, oh, gross. other far right and nationalistic gear. Oh, that's where we're at these days. Can't unlearn that knowledge. I mean, it's also an Iron Maiden song, but I think it's been co-opted at this oh, point. That's too bad. Uh, well, I uh, learned something today, so thanks for that. Yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna look this up and make sure I didn't uh, incorrectly conflate something. You know, what, Jess, Jess, if I'm wrong, can you just uh, let me know? But I'm pretty sure it's generally equated with white nationalism at this point in history. Um, or at least nationalism, if not technically. Well, well, yeah, yeah, white uh, nationalism in North America is white. <laughs> it's a white thing. There you go. <laughs> a little lesson for you. Should we get into the evils of nationalism, or should we move on to our actual topic? Actual topic. <laughs> All right, we are here tonight to talk about uh, comic books, specifically Hooray! the sort of favorite slash essential comics that uh, we think other people need to read uh, at some point in their mm-hmm. literary existence. Um, and uh, we have, we have two guest guest stars of a sort tonight. Um, Lexi has her partner, John's list. And I have uh, my, my partner, Fiona's list. 
Mm-hmm. And we're going to work those into our list as well. First question I have for you, Lexi, is did your list stick to three or four comics? I have six, and then I have a runner-up list of one, two, three, four, five, six. So I have 12. <laughs> I have 10. I made Fiona keep her list to, uh, what was it? Uh, probably five or six. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I didn't let her run away like I did. Um, well, but yeah, it got it got out of hand. And that's the thing. Like, I kept debating. And we should clarify, too, that when we talk about comics, we're meaning, like, graphic novels, comic books, like, strips in the newspapers, online comics, all that jazz. Comics is a medium. Um, so we are using that as yeah. a way of framing it. Uh, think of it as, like, I don't know. TV being one thing and film being another, well, that's sort of the same as floppies, which is what I call sort of monthly comics versus graphic novels. They're just a sort of different format for comics, but it's all comics. Mm-hmm. It's all comics. And with that in mind, I tried to dip into strips, um, monthly books, um, graphic novels, and uh, web comics, and some some manga, if you will. <laughs> Manga, manga. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I didn't include manga, but I did. I do have some comic strips and some online formats as well. Online formats. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Yeah. How do you want to do this? Uh, let's go shot for shot. Shot for shot. We're punch each other. Somebody's going home crying. Right in the mouth. I'm already sad about this. All right, <laughs> shot for shot. Uh, you, me, John, Fiona. Until we run out of their lists, and then we can keep going with ours. Perfect. Let's do yeah, it. let's hear it. And uh, should we have some healthy debate on these if we disagree? It's kind of hard. It's. I think if you disagree or you want to know why, like this is before you die, you need to read this book because. Right. And go from there. I guess I want to clarify that like when I say essential, I mean like books I think other people should read. Um, yes. But if I was creating like, uh, I don't know, what do you, what do you, what's the fucking word? I, I keep wanting to say syllabus, but that's not a, a curriculum yeah. for like a comics education course. I'd probably choose a few different books for different reasons. Some of these may or may not make it. They might be listed as an example, but if, if not required reading, mm. I think I would bring in books that are not on this list is what I'm saying that I think are kind of worth looking at in a scholarly form, but that is not what we're doing right now. This is our our essentials, stuff we want other people to read or were formative to us. Yes. All right. Well, as the kids say on Fortnite, let's fucking go. Ugh. What? You know, that makes me feel icky. Fortnite. Nobody else can see it, but I'm floss dancing. No, he's not. I, I am in my mind. I don't even think I could floss dance. I don't. My nephew knows how. Anyway, we're not going to get into that because it's weird. Okay. <laughs> Floss dancing is weird? What's weird? No, we have to take a tangent here. Why do you think floss dancing is weird? It's weird because you'll be driving down the road and you'll just see like a a, a random 10-year-old flossing on the street corner. Why? I've literally never seen this. Where are you going? To schools. Oh, that's why. Like, what are you doing? Go to class. Well, I don't have to go to school yet. (laughs) Stop flossing. Have any schools... To your knowledge, at least in our school system, tried to ban flossing. The dance. This isn't Footloose, Ben. That doesn't happen. Okay. 
You never know. They banned pogs when we were kids. I know because it, they said it was gambling. Yeah, it was gambling. I I I cannot. I know many people. They fucking took our pogs. I know many people are annoyed by lots of the trends, but I don't think anyone has outright banned a form of dancing in a school. Well, we're gonna have to talk to John Lithgow about that. <laughs> See what he's got to say. <laughs> See if he wants to stand up at the mic at the town hall meeting. No floss. Fitness. All right, let's okay. go. Let's fucking let's go. Okay. My number one that everyone should read. Oh, did you do these in an order of like what you think is no. best or worse? Okay, good. This good. Is, I didn't, well, I this just... is just the first one that came to mind. Okay, shotgun style. Let's roll. Okay, this is Louis Riel by Chester Brown. I think everybody needs to read this. We've got our first daily double. Bing, 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 bing. Boom. Yeah. So good. Absolutely agree. Uh, Louis Riel is fantastic. Chester Brown is fantastic. Yep. Actually, when I was working on my list, I had a number of cartoonists and, and comic artists and writers that I thought of that I was like, that person I think of as being essential, but I'm not sure that I can think of one work specifically that I'd hold up as essential. I'd look at like their body of work and say it's worth it. But, yeah. So I was kind of there with Chester Brown. And then I realized, no, Louis Riel, I want people to read that because Louis Riel took the figure of Louis Riel for me from sort of an ill understood Canadian history villain to a Métis hero yeah, for me. Definitely. And also was my first uh, sort of breaking in the facade of sort of Canadian government history and understanding genocide, uh, the genocide committed against the different Indigenous nations of of this land. So it was a hugely formative book for me, eye-opening in that way. And it doesn't necessarily glamorize uh, Riel. Um it's it's definitely got some interesting approaches to that. Why do you love it? I just I just I just kind of jumped on that one. I got so excited. I think it was the first time that I saw a graphic novel taught at an academic level. So I came to this book, I think it was our first year of college. So in um like an English elective in college. Mm -hmm. And the instructor, like we read this and then also Seth's um It's a Good Life If You Don't Weaken. And I remember just thinking, like, we're reading comics in post-secondary. This is awesome. And similarly, um, my understanding of Louis Riel was very whitewashed, as is a lot of our, the culture mm -hmm. and history from our perspective. Because growing up, lots of truths, some hard Canadian truths about things like residential schools or the treatment of, like, Métis people were really, really downplayed yeah. in Canadian. And in many, I, I, don't, I don't know about other parts of Canada, but for me... I didn't learn about residential schools embarrassingly until I was 19. And that's oh no bananas. It was definitely, uh, if I heard anything about residential school, we, we came up in the education system of our province, the one we live in, which is, so we have a similar education background here, but if there was any reference to it, it was as a, a positive as a, a thing. I don't even remember it being a positive. It just it never came up. Oh, these people needed to learn English and learn the English way so they could integrate better with society. Mm. And that was the line that we were given. So yeah, we didn't confront that. Uh, I didn't confront that until much later either. Yeah, like a book like Louis Riel really having some hard truths gone about in a way that I think is a little more approachable for some people really helped me to confront that part of, you know, our or national shame but and yet it really made me understand parts of louis riel and want to read more about louis riel and more about the red river rebellion and really helped me to see louis riel as like this hero and 
you know, a champion of like his, his people and standing up against this awful, corrupt, genocidal government. And then it's, it's a really hard conversation to have with a lot of Canadians because we have this national identity of being mm-hmm. friendly, <laughs> happy folk, but the way, like we've got some dark shit in this country. And I, I think that this was my first eye opening experience into the world of, um, you know, anti-racist education Mm-hmm. And also just confronting systemic issues in our country. So I, I really appreciate that Chester Brown helped me to confront that part of my national identity. Yeah. And I just loved that we were studying comics in college. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, a quick anecdote. I went to TCAF, I think 2018, to launch uh, my first and to date only graphic novel. Um, and I was talking to a acquaintance. Uh, and just sort of chatting with him and he was asking about what my book was about. And I was like, Oh, you know, Canadian history, but like through a fictitious lens um, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Oh, you're doing the same thing as Chester Brown. And I'm like, Oh, let's just calm down here. I'm no fucking Chester Brown. <laughs> and then he pointed behind me and he goes, Nope, that's Chester Brown. And I turned around and he was standing right behind me. And oh, no! one of those, no, I just had one of those moments of like, just like absolute, like I fell apart. Like this person is one of my heroes since I read Louis Real in my early twenties. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet him, shook his hand, said, thanks for the work. Like you're yeah. one of my comics heroes. And he was like, Oh, okay. Thanks. And then I just sort <laughs> of sauntered off and uh, tried not to embarrass myself. That's so cool. Yeah. It was a really cool experience. And of course I just had to be like, you know, I made this thing, but I'm no, no fucking Chester Brown. <laughs> That had to be the line that came out of my mouth when the dude walked up behind me. So anyhow, that was my little brush with, uh, I would call comics greatness in Canada. So that's pretty cool. That's great. Yeah, great, great choice. I will check that box off of my list. I wonder if mm-hmm. we're going to run into a few more that we both. Maybe. Um, so who's up next? I guess it's John. Let's hit one from John's list. So, and John was saying that for him, his kind of uh, rationale for all of his comics are due to childhood nostalgia. Hmm. And, you know, the family members who got him hooked up with comics and just the, the yeah, the the memories that come with these things. So uh, the first one would be Judge Dredd from the 2080. Always a good choice. Yeah. Did he have a particular artist or writer that he was fond of or just in general? No. That's a cool choice. It's just in general. He's a Judge Dredd fan. And so when the movie came out a few, well, I guess, a while ago now. The Keith Urban one. Um, Is it Keith Urban? Wait, which? It was Keith Urban, yeah. What's the singer's name? I always get the two of them mixed up. Carl Urban? Which one's Carl Urban, that sounds right. I think, no, I think Carl Urban. Wait, Carl Urban's the actor and Keith Urban is the singer. Oh, God. We're embarrassing. Well, whatever. Yeah, Bones. It was uh, Urban. This is Judge Dredd. In case you people have forgotten... This block operates under the same rules as the rest of the city. Mama is not the law. I am the law. How do you feel about the Sylvester Stallone one from the 90s? You like that one too? One of my loseriest pleasures. It's impossible! I never broke the law! I am the law! They're great movies. They're entertaining they're you know somewhat true to the comics they're fun they're great so yeah john is uh, a, a big fan of judge dread and would say that that was one of his first ones that he would throw out there that everybody should check out 
Does John still read comics or yeah. is it all like sort of looking back for him? Oh, no, cool. uh, we've got a lot of Walking Dead in the house right now. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Wicked. All right, let's let's keep it rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Get them comics going. Here we are. Uh, my first one is going to be Astro Boy by Osama Tezuka. Of course it is. Uh, absolutely love it. Um, my introduction to Astro Boy was actually the 80s cartoon when I was a kid. It was like one of the first things I ever remember seeing. Um and at the very end credits, there's this sort of flip book thing that shows how they animate him like frame by frame and then sets him up to running and flying off. And that was the thing that sort of made me realize I wanted to draw and or be an animator. And then I realized animation was too hard. So then I was like, what's what's a little bit easier? Comics. And then it turned out that wasn't actually that much easier. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. And then I got into the comics when I was older, found some uh, Dark Horse uh, republished translated stuff and it's just brilliant and another thing i loved is just how those characters got like used as actors throughout different types of stories that were done by uh, tezuka and Mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty cool like i have these character designs but i'm just gonna make them different people in all my different stories i love that yeah Yeah. it was really versatile and cool but yeah uh large large amount of, of nostalgia for me but also just sort of generally considered to be a comics genius so Mm mm-hmm Get on it. Get Agreed. Astro Boy. Yeah, totally. All right. And then we're moving on to Fiona. Uh, Fiona. F-stap. S-stap? F-stap. Full oh. stop. I'm calling her full stop, full stop? from now on. <laughs> you Okay. Good luck. I think she'd be okay with that. Full stop <laughs> is a good nickname. Um, Finn's fee. Fifi. <laughs> Fiona. Fief? Jesus. My, my wife. <laughs> Uh, I can't help it. Sorry. Every time I think of, that's why I say my partner. Cause I just can't say my wife. It sounds fucking ridiculous now. Thanks to Bora. The woman who lives in your house with you. Yes. Who we've cohabitated, intermingled our finances, had children, uh, and, uh, for a while, uh, shacked up in, uh, much to God's chagrin. Chagrin. Oh <laughs> we lived in sin for a while. I'm not afraid to say it. Her first book uh, or series is Tintin by Hergé. Oh, yes. Good pick. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's essential in in both sort of like personally essential and like comics education essential. Uh, Mostly hold up really well. There's some some books that are better missed. uh, Some racist characters and stuff like that. But largely Tintin. Uh, is a pretty great example of what can be done in comics, or as they're called mm-hmm. in the Franco-Belgian tradition, bende dessiné, hmm. drawn strips. Excellent choice. I completely forgot about Tintin, but that, yeah, that was a big part of my childhood as well. Excellent choice. Yeah, so that's the thing. You have to choose ones that are not just part of your childhood, but like you also are like, you need to read this. This is worth reading. Like this is yes. comics education or or just worth seeing what this person did with this. Yeah. Totally. All right, let's go. Number two, we're moving. Yeah, we're moving on. And along that same line, I'm I'm pick I'm using that same thread for my next pick, which is Calvin and Hobbes by the Great. It's our second daily double. Of course it is, because Calvin and Hobbes is amazing and essential. Bill Watterson, yes. how do you do this? How do you make just the most outstanding comic strip oh. to ever exist, and then just bounce and disappear? And a part of me loves him for that because he's just like I'm done. 
And people are like, come back. And he's like, no. I guess so. I would love to know what was going through his head uh, when he was like yep. hung it up and just done. And like that ending strip is basically the most yeah. beautiful ending to anything ever. Just yeah. sledding off into off the horizon. Beautiful friend. Just I still remember when my dad broke the news to me. Like he came and found me and was like, hey, bud. Oh, that it was ending. Yeah. And like it was that whole like sit oh, you down with the hot chocolate. Like, hey, friend, got some news. Um, you know your favorite comic? It's ending. And I was like, what? And I, yeah, I remember my dad like cut it out of the newspaper for me. And so I have a Bachelor of Education as well. And, um, all right, show off. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> my exit thesis paper, whatever you want to call it, was about how Calvin and Hobbes was the quintessential, like, wonderful example of a child learner. And so much of that, mm-hmm. you know, difficult child is in all of us. And I constantly use Calvin as a reference for me. Like, I felt like I was Calvin, like, didn't really have a lot of friends, kind of a weirdo. Oh. Would rather be outside and mucking around with comic books and playing with your own imagination, just doing your thing. Like people got in the way of that. And so I really felt like nobody understood me, but this like little comic. And so I know there's lots of documentaries and uh, articles and books about the, the strip, but it, it meant so much to me growing up. I have every single one of the books still. And after the, after the comic ended in the papers, in the mornings, instead of reading the newspaper, I would just go through the books. Just start at one yeah. book, work my way through it, start on the next one. They uh, belong on your your shelf in your library or on your desk in your your yeah. office or in your kids' room. Like, Everywhere. just absolutely beautiful. Um, and yeah, like so. So Watterson would have been like in his thirties when he called it a day on that. Yeah. Like, you have a whole lot of career left ahead of you. What did he do? What has he been doing? He's only in his sixties now. Yeah. What has he been up to for 30 years? I don't know. I think just it's wild. If that is the life that I think every single one of us would love to lead, make a really influential comic and then just one day be like, peace out. Done. Mm. It's it's so wild. I love it. Uh, apparently he paints now if his Wikipedia pages to be believed. Uh, people have gone in search of him. There's even a documentary called mm-hmm. like Dear Mr. Waterson, I think. Yep. Uh, where they went to try to find Watterson and get them to comment, but nothing, just absolutely nothing. Yeah, he doesn't want to. Yeah, it's wild. Can't believe it. Can't believe the he dipped. But uh, thanks for the work you left before you went. Yeah. Let's go. <sighs> Big uh, sigh. Thinking about all those spaceman spiff, like just absolutely iconic. Like oh, it was one of the so earliest things I drew in school too. Was like drawing Calvin yeah. and Hobbes, making my own spaceman spiff and stuff. Oh, spaceman spiff was the greatest. I love. I see. I have a, yeah. a Pinterest board basically of spaceman spiff tattoos. I think they're awesome. Yeah, you gonna roll with one of those? Uh, I don't know if I've got the balls for that, but we'll see. Just what would Bill Watterson say? Stop talking to me. Go away. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Don't steal my IP. <laughs> Uh, there was a huge bit of like uh, copyright uh, issues with uh, strips that he did uh, specifically because on some of them, if I'm recalling correctly, he would drop uh, a panel frame. Mm-hmm. And so the argument was that because they weren't paneled, they didn't fall into the copyright that was at the end. They were considered <laughs> unincluded. And I don't remember my the number of, you know, Calvin uh, pissing on Ford 
bumper stickers that you see, you'd assume that maybe that didn't go the way he wanted that, that lawsuit, but interesting to think about. Let's keep it rolling, yep. rolling, rolling okay. before I start singing again. No. The next on John's list is, um, it's a webcomic. Cool. I love webcomics. So this is XKCD. Yeah, we know it. We love it. Everyone yep. knows and loves it. It's up there with Ryan North's dinosaur comics. Randall Monroe. And John just said that the reason he likes this comic and thinks that everybody should be aware of it and check it out is just because it it addresses so many different topics. Any type of topic out there, there's a comic there for it that really expresses, you know, the the nature of life. Monroe has great commentary on a whole slew of topics. Uh there's usually layers to his jokes that yeah. certain people with a more scientific or math-minded uh, brain get that I wouldn't. And uh, if memory serves, again, he was one of the people that made sort of the mouse over secondary joke sort of prolific in the in the web comics world back in the day. So like you get your comic joke and then you hover over and there's some additional script in the hover over pictures script that would add a little extra joke to it. Mm-hmm. which I always loved. Yeah, kind of like the early days of online comics, because I think it started like, what, 2004, 2005-ish. And so still still a somewhat new medium. Yeah, I mm-hmm. my memory is cloudy on what, uh, what would be the earliest in that place. But they were definitely one of the ones that I read uh, XKCD during my webcomics heyday in the early aughts, mm-hmm. late 2000s. Good choice. Always great. Um all right, let's keep it going. I'm going with making and slash or understanding comics by Scott McCloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these are a book that would both be something I consider essential for me, uh, learning about the medium that I, I love and like really understanding what it was that I loved about it, but also just like I would put this on basically any comics teaching curriculum. Yeah. Uh, reading, understanding, and making comics and just fully sort of getting the the language of, of this medium that, you know, I've worked in and love. That's a great pick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely essential. You will have an understanding and an appreciation for what comics are and the language that they are in a way that you would never have had before. Um, I can't stress reading those enough and they're just great comics in their own right. And I don't think appreciated as being comics as much as like a sort of textbook, but they are wonderful. Um, there's a third and sort of that, Comics Education Trilogy, which is known as Reinventing Comics, but that gets um, into more of like digital stuff and what comes next for the comic. And it's some cool, interesting experimental stuff and like mm-hmm. stuff that works with the medium of uh, like, you know, the computer screen a bit more. But uh, so far, mostly comics have just stayed uh, on, you know, panels on on a screen. Uh, Emily Carroll did some really cool stuff with like using the space of the of the screen Mm -hmm. and the digital medium to tell some really cool horror stories and stuff. But yeah, understanding making comics, Scott McCloud, if you can read them, do it. They're absolutely fantastic and enlightening. Great pick. All right, next. Maybe we should have done switch this up so we didn't have to talk twice in a row. (laughs) Eh, It's fine. Take a break. Uh, Next on Fiona's list is Uzumaki and also uh, Gyo by Junji Ito, the horror master. Um, basically, uh, I'm going to try to sum it up for a bit. Comics, uh, horror comics specifically, are really difficult to do. Um, I think one of the big issues there is that you 
as the creator of the comic, don't actually get to control a whole lot of the pacing because mm-hmm. the reader can move very quickly. They can choose how long to linger on a panel, etc. And also just conveying terror and that yeah. atmosphere is difficult to do on a page, uh, sort of removed from, you know, the, it's weird because written horror is a lot easier to scare with, I think, because you're living inside your head and just creating awful things, but you sort of remove something by putting it on a page. But Junji Ito takes that all away and just manages to draw things that are just entrancing and horrific to look at and compelling at the same time. And just like, you can't look away, but they're awful, but they're twisted, but they're wrong. And they're, they're encapsulating Um, and very good use of page turns and stuff. So I think Fiona would say that that is Junji Ito specifically one of her favorites, but Uzumaki specifically um, just because of the ability to actually scare and be horrific in in a medium that isn't necessarily the best for doing that. Yeah. That's, it's it's hard to find a real solid horror graphic novel, even with Walking Dead, which you know is maybe a, a comic that a few more people might be aware of and familiar with. It's not really yeah. I'd call it horrific, not necessarily a horror. They're like there's elements yeah, that are horrific. It's not horror. There's like I would say like there's elements of gore, and yeah. horror to me is like there's a beauty to horror sometimes. Yeah, something being horrific doesn't mean that it's going to horrify you. Like, I mean, seeing de- yeah. decomposed bodies walking around is a horrific image in the traditional, like, sort of yeah. definition of the word. But yeah, it's not it's not scary. I don't think it's really meant to be, mm-hmm. not at least not with that sort of element. The way people mm-hmm. occasionally treat each other in the book can be pretty gross. Maybe not even horrific there either. Yeah, so you bring up a good comparison. Awesome. All right, let's keep going. Where are we at? Should we take our, our mid-show mid break here, or, we, or do you want to do a couple more? Yeah, let's do it's it. Who's that Pokemon time? Who's that Pokemon? Got to add a little twist to it every now and again. Uh, you did last time, so I guess it's mm-hmm. my turn, huh? Yeah. Okay. Who is that Pokemon? Oh, this is a tricksy one. Because I don't have one. <laughs> Looking around my room. Oh, I was going to say, is it Smeagol? Oh, that's not a bad choice for a comics one. I feel like I got to choose something else. Okay, I got one for you. And I'm not just Googling it right now. <laughs> I saw the screen flash. No. Okay, so the silhouette I will describe for you is sort of like an oval. Okay. And that oval is sort of tilted downward and it's on top of another oval that's underneath of it. And on top of the original oval off to one side, there's sort of two more circles. Okay. And then on the exact opposite side of those two circles is sort of a oblong oval. Um, and then at the bottom of the second, the below oval are two sticks and then a couple little sticks sticking out of them. And off the midsection of that oval, there's two more like sort of stick silhouettes and like more little sticks poking out of those. And that's it. That's the silhouette. Oof. Is it Astro Boy? No, no. Um, but good guess. Just contextually, I could see why you might think I'd go to the first thing I talked about. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Is it a Pokemon? It is not. Okay. I mean, should it be? That's debatable. May I have a hint? Um, yes. This silhouette 
is known for carrying a brick. And I will give you one more hint. It is in the realm of comics. And it carries a brick? Yeah. The silhouette is known for carrying a brick. Um, Why can't I think of anything that carries a brick? It's, It's a deep cut. I'll give you that too. Hmm. I have no idea. All I want to keep saying is Mario. I'm like, he doesn't have bricks. He's a plumber. What does he know about masonry? Well, he does hit bricks with his fist. There's a lot of punching bricks. You break bricks. I can see why you made the connection is what I'm saying. What is it? I'm so curious. Uh, Here you go. I've sent you a link. Let me know if you know anything about Crazy Cat the comic. I don't know anything about Crazy Cat the comic. Oh, wow. That blows my mind. I'm looking at like a stick Mickey Mouse. Yeah, it's Ignatz uh, the mouse from Crazy Cat. Uh, One of the earliest, like, sort of big deal uh, newspaper comic strips by George Harriman. 1913 to 1944, uh, a huge inspiration for Calvin and Hobbes, Bill Watterson, from what I've read. Yeah, just sort of one of those um, foundational sort of things. And also there's a whole comics award that's named after Ignatz. Uh, Yeah, I've I've heard the the name before, but not in the the context of a a comic. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Well. Yeah, Crazy Cat. Look it up. Do 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 do. It's crazy. It's oh wait, it's not Crazy Cat. That's the name of the comic strip. It's Ignatz. <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? It's Ignatz. All right, we're back. Where were we at? I think you were about to oh hit us God. with another of your best shots. Fire away. Yes. Um. Okay. So I'm gonna go with a very, I would say, staple of the comic community in North America. Hey, 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 uh, if you say staples and you oh. refer to comics, it's usually a joke about my life. I wasn't thinking about my that, life. but uh, yeah, let's go with that. It was a joke. Oh. No, um, um, I'm uh, okay. <laughs> I'm talking about no. We can recover from that. I'm talking about Linda Berry, and specifically hey, um, her book "Syllabus Notes from an Accidental Professor." Absolutely perfect. Well chosen. Linda Berry is deserving of heaps and heaps of praise in our industry. Um, Linda Berry is someone that really helped me to kind of remove a creative block because Ben, as you know, I've talked to you about this many times. I have this desire for perfection and what prevents me from making comics and drawing sometimes is I I can't match what I see in my head with what I'm capable of actually doing. And so my answer was to just do nothing. So after reading a bunch of Linda Berry's books, and the first one was the um, syllabus book, that's what really helped me to just kind of get over that and just start making the comics, even though they're not perfect. And even though some might be stronger than others, and some days are good, and to really be in the practice of drawing every day and just get into the practice of storytelling. She really, really helped me to break that Mm. block and to see the joy in storytelling and visual narrative. So um, I love Linda Berry. And everyone should read her books. Absolutely. Uh, 100% co-signed, even if she was not on my list. You you can't go wrong. That is an educator of comics as much as a creator. Mm-hmm. Perfect choice. Yeah. What's next for Johnny? Does he go by Johnny? Johnny Two Thumbs. Yeah, John. <laughs> <laughs> you call him Johnny Two Thumbs? That's what I, as, as a joke, when he got. You do now. When he got his Xbox like i don't know xbox one or whatever back years ago 
OG Xbox. He was looking for an online name and we were joking around at work and my friend Nick was like, oh, you should call him Johnny Two Thumbs because he's good with the video game. Or he, or because he has two thumbs. He also has two thumbs. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Did he use it? Uh, no, but just, just John. Just John. JJ. JJ. Just John. JJ. Is his middle name also a J? Yeah, it is. Oh, JJ it is. Yeah. JJ. <laughs> Henceforth, then JJ. And what did you call my wife? My wife. Full stop. Full stop. That's it. JJ full and full stop. JJ okay. and full stop. You got him. Those are the new characters on the show. <laughs> JJ's list. So JJ has said um, that the death of Superman is another book that he thinks everyone should read because it was just a really, really powerful read. Something that was kind of like a quintessential in the Superman universe and all related stories in, in that realm. I'm not super hype on superhero stuff anymore, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that is a good choice. Like, I think if you're around our age, you have some sort of collective memory of that becoming a sort of national news story in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. Um, yep. The death of Superman happened to be a big effing deal. Comic book stores, news media outlets, there was huge events. And it led to the return, which gave us arguably the best version of Superman ever. Superboy Mm -hmm. or Steel or the Eradicator. (laughs) Cyborg Superman. But it's just like that it, 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 you know, disrupts the status quo. Like you don't have to keep going. It's like Bill Watterson stepping away from the comics, like taking something and really Mm. disrupting it and having people rethink the superhero or the storyline. And so, yeah. I have some really bad news for you about Uh that. Superman didn't stay dead. Well, at the time, it was so shocking, and people were like, you can't do that. I like that, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, it's a long-standing uh, comic book tradition that nobody no one stays, dead. stays dead in the superhero books. But uh, yeah, at the time, it was very disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, it has led to a near infinite amount of attempts to copy that sort of lightning in a bottle, which has not worked, but, uh, you know, it was a, it was a thing. It was a zeitgeist, a moment. Mm-hmm. Good choice. What you got? Let's go. Next one on my list is the Scott Pilgrim series from Brian Lee O'Malley. Nice. Uh, more Canadian royalty. This book is essential to me personally as a, Oh shit, this is this is the sort of thing the sort of people that society tries to turn white dudes into. This is not an admirable character. This is somebody who needs to get their shit together. Uh and also I think it kind of encapsulates millennials. Um mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It is sort of the book of of millennials. This is it. You want to sum up the experience, the on on not on we necessarily, but sort of the listlessness, the directionlessness. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim seems to have it. It's just about, it's not focused on career. It's just about figuring out yourself and figuring out what it means to interact with other people and how that's supposed to be. And yeah, it just feels really of our time. Yeah. Oh yeah. It makes me uncomfortable because I do feel like it's like looking in a mirror of myself in my early twenties. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's really on point. 
Or everything you hate about yourself from that time, it's just there on the page. Like your friends that are dating girls that are kind of underage and you're like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like yeah, yeah. there's just so many things about that book that or the series yeah. that really hit a little too close to home. There's a lot going on there that is just like and yeah, and the Canadiana of it is interesting, yeah. uh, you know, complicated relationship with the country that we live in aside. But like, you know, you see second cup in the movie or in the backgrounds or mm-hmm. Toronto landmarks are interesting to see Toronto. Um, Toronto. Toronto. Got to say them right or else people will know you're not from the right place. You say Toronto and they're going to know you're not from there. You say Calgary, you're not from here. Oof. Yeah, Calgary. Yeah. Vancouver, they just call the Couve. The V spot. <laughs> Dry heaving. Never heard anyone call it that, and I hope I never do again. And you never will again. <laughs> As somebody who lived there, never, never. Um, yeah, anyhow, so I just think uh, Scott Pilgrim is is that sort of encapsulation of the early 20s millennial experience and uh, mm-hmm. just a damn great bit of comicking too. It also did, uh, you know, blending of sort of video game culture that was, I would say very much our generation sort of thing that sort of growing up with video games that other generations didn't do. Um, and it really tied it into the entire sort of storytelling experience. It's a, uh, it's a fantastic book. Can't remember yep. or series, I should say, and can't recommend it enough. Excellent. Next one on Fiona's list is tales from the crypt. Ooh, yes. Yes. Hooray. And stuff. But yeah, just another sort of attempt at early uh, American comics horror. And it's uh, it's a campy horror that is just it hasn't been replicated. Also, there's like eerie and uh, gory. I think was the other one mm-hmm. that EC comic stuff early on. Um, but Tales from the Crypt was the OG in that sort of category. Personally, my experience with Tales from the Crypt is limited to uh, having seen one of the Tales from the Crypt movies, Demon Knight, and then yep. being terrified of it and having nightmares about it until I was like twenty. Oh, so good, so good. Can yeah. I just say I love drawing the Crypt Keeper. Every so often I go into these like tangents where I can't stop drawing him. I love him. He's such an interesting, creepy character to draw. He's awesome. I love him. Well, I think we know what the uh, episode art it has to be. Now you need to draw the Crypt Keeper for us. I, I drew the Crypt Keeper as one of my um, Ben Tober. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah don't forget yeah. about Inktober uh, coming in October this Inktober. year. I still like Ben Tober. It's, it's not quite as uh, good. It misses the point. Yeah. I'm a little salty about it. <laughs> Plus, it sounds like Ben Tober, and I don't like that. I know. That's why I find it so funny. <laughs> Inko Ben is better. Stand by. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody do Ben Tober all. Be very cross. Uh, okay i guess that's it for the crypt keeper i don't have a lot to say about it i didn't really read it but uh fiona swears that it is one of her faves and uh one of the things she'd recommend highly to other people so mm-hmm. let's keep going what do you got next for us okay so i was really torn about this one but i'm gonna go with Asheris d tales from the arabian night by sergio toppy as my big Toppy, one yeah and i think Toppy for me is one of those if i was to say like you need to know an illustrator um author he would be at the top of my list i think that his style it was so unique and continues to be stand out and people you can't replicate him he was so so 
specific, but I feel like that that book, that graphic novel specifically, I don't know, it's just the entire book is so beautiful and I could spend an easy 15 minutes per page just looking at the mark making and the the depth of the... It's very illustrative. Yeah, it's just, it's incredible. So many layers. And uh, breaks sort of panel conventions, your usual storytelling, but also at the same time mm-hmm. executes on what sort of does sequentials in such a fantastic way. Uh, yeah. It, it, it hears as much as it seems to break um, in ways that you might not realize at first, but absolutely beautiful, stunning, stunning artwork. Uh, yeah, no, you, you've done a very good choice here. Can't yep. recommend uh, them enough either. Okay. Next on JJ's list. Get it. Yeah, John has, John, uh, he's got a couple more. And these are ones that we both agreed on. And so if my list were to be longer, these would also be on it. So You just want to make sure you get some extra points for those? Yes. Our, uh, our fictitious. They're also mine. Mine? <laughs> like the seagulls, remember? Mine? 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 So this collective pick, you could say, is The Oatmeal, an online comic. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate The Oatmeal. Um, I've oh, No, I. you go first, sorry. So, I got all up in your biz. <laughs> John sends me The Oatmeal like once a week, like new comics or things that are so topical. And there's a couple comics that are standout ones. But for me, there was a comic that he wrote about Gene Roddenberry and how he survived this plane crash and went on to... Um, creates Star Trek, but talked about Gene Roddenberry before he became famous for Star Trek was also like he was a hero. He saved people in this plane crash and not a lot of people know about that. And so if we think about Mr. Rogers having that quote about, you know, in an emergency, um, I've got to look up the quote now. Hold on a second. We're Googling it. Roll it. So the comic that the Omil did called It's Going to Be Okay. And it talks about, yeah, June 18th, 1947, Gene Roddenberry was in a plane crash. And he does this like incredibly, you know, typical kind of webcomic format that really has a limited color palette. And it's just, it's amazing. I, I found it was one of those comics that on the surface, it looks like a goofy comic because a lot of the Oatmeal stuff can be pretty goofy. But every so often, there's these hints of real emotional brilliance. And so the comic at the end of it, go read it. You can see the full brilliance of it. But just talking about how journeys in life are short Mm -hmm. and that it's important to be a helper, to make the most of the short time that we have in this world, however possible, and to do what you can to help the helpless. And so that's what I really liked about that comic is because it's, it was something I wasn't expecting from them. And so that's what I really like about comics and about art sometimes is the unexpected and kind of tricking your community into feeling things when you're kind of used to doing like fart jokes mm-hmm. and things like that. And then all of a sudden they're like, pow, something real. So love it. And John is a big fan of the oatmeal as well. Uh, this is one of the ones where I, I mean, I, the oatmeal to me is just, it's, it's like meme, meme content level. Like I just can't get to it on anything more than sort of a, like sometimes, sometimes there's a comic that'll be like interesting or I'll find something that Inman's doing sort of fascinating or some sort of controversies wrapped up in, but largely I find them a little bit surface and a little bit sort of like base artistically, which I shouldn't say when we just talked about how art shouldn't be a, 
a holdback to uh, pursuing storytelling or narrative or comics specifically. But I guess they come across as lazy a lot of the times too. This is some really Meh. whack art. It's gradient fills and MS paint. But that's what I like about some of those comics. I would agree. Yeah, it's like it's a pretty basic format. But that's why I like checking them out because every so often there is a longer one or talks about like um, how he uses running as a you know not like a cure but a way to mitigate their depression and mental health and so I think that's what I really like about them is every so often there's a break from that kind of like goofy surface level comic stuff to do some deeper yeah as you were saying the far humor stuff yeah that's fair um, yeah, it just never really connected with me and, uh, that's all. I just figured I should, I should add a little commentary here for the sake of the podcasting media. Little pushback. No, nah, not pushback. Go for it. Read it. Love it. It's just never done <laughs> it for me. That's all. And I'll leave it there. That's it. That's all I'll say about it. The oatmeal. Don't come for me. Number one rule of the internet is you don't mess with the oatmeal. Okay. What do you got? So, uh, let's roll. Okay. Next up for me is, uh, a series, uh, they came out from Vertigo Comics in the 90s, uh, and this series is the thing that basically made me get into comics again as an adult. I had been a very avid fan and reader of superhero stuff as a kid, and mm-hmm. a lot of people as they age uh, out of sort of their teens, pubescence, stuff like that, sort of end up dropping comics um, and don't realize there's more out there. And this book blew my mind. It was like, oh, this is this is not capes and, and tights and... I'm not trying to disparage them. A lot of people are telling very serious stories, I guess, with capes and superheroes and stuff like that. Uh, We will leave Alan Moore out of this particular point of conversation. Um, But I generally tend to agree with him. Um, But yeah, Why the Last Man? Uh, Pia Guerra, Brian K. Vaughn. This book showed me sort of the storytelling potential of of comics as a, a very young adult and really brought me back again into my love for the medium. I believe it's absolutely beautiful. Um, You know, it swings at a couple of things that are very of its time in the early 90s there. Um, There's some concepts around certain things that didn't translate necessarily as well to our uh, understanding of gender and identity now. But the book itself is 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 just a, a great and unique format, a complete story that mm. is worth reading and just out there and different and uh, just blew my mind at the time and uh, is, I think a lot of people still consider it kind of an essential read for getting into the, the medium of comics. Yeah. And I'm lucky enough to have uh, spent time with Pia and Brian and uh, mm-hmm. consider them to be acquaintances, well, friends, I, I should say at this point. So. I consider that cool as well. Okay, next one from Fiona is a webcomic called Ogluff by Trudy Cooper and Doug Bain, a couple of Australians. That's good. Uh, If you have not read Ogluff before, you need to do yourself a favor and do it. What started out as an attempt to be a pornography comic uh, quickly devolved into uh, sexual comedies. (laughs) It is absolutely hilarious and great and um, one of the outstanding things about it is that it manages to be funny strip after strip while also upending sort of sexual and pornographic tropes and and um, and uh, being very embracing of uh, all sorts of different ideas of um, sexuality and gender and all of those things. So it's it's a brilliant read. Absolutely hilarious. A great pick from Fiona. Co-signed if we're doing that still getting those 
Those DM points. Double points. Double points. I've never heard of that before. You got to read it. You you will spend the rest of tonight reading it if you start. I probably yeah. I just I just looked it up and was like, okay, I'm going to read this later. Yeah, it's great, and it's like a blender of every fa- of like sort of fantasy trope world thing ever ever thrown together. Like you get into some Conan the Barbarian stuff and like yeah. your usual sort of D and D fantasy stuff. Nice. It's it's so good. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Okay, and I've talked about this comic before several times, and of course I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Tank Girl um, by yeah. Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett. I, what do you say about Tank Girl? I think Tank Girl is the greatest comic ever written. It brought me from a very young age into comics outside of like what I thought comics were from Archie. And uh, after I, I, I started, I saw the movie first when I was growing up and then I got into the comics after that. And then I started drawing comics of my own and they were all basically ripoffs of Tank Girl, some type of like badass, yeah. slightly bald lady driving around like a Humvee, dune buggy, whatever. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, like every kind of character I've ever drawn has come from Tank Girl. And I just found that this um, really shaped a generation and really shaped who I am as a person. And I just want to share my love of Tank Girl with the world. Yeah, I think uh, Tank Girl is to sort of 90s comics folks, uh, almost in a way, uh, is is what Scott Pilgrim is to sort of the millennial gen that came after. Mm-hmm. The later. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Jamie Hewlett, obviously a humongous star, uh, you know, co-creating the the gorillas and working on things like, uh, what is it called? Monkey, I believe. That's that interpretation mm-hmm. of Journey to the West. Um, and also one of my favorite artists ever as well. And yeah, a style that, you know, obviously influenced an entire generation of artists as well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that sort of like, that sort of UK punk scene that like, I think was completely uh, unknown to readers our age in in our sort of region of the world so it was uh, a complete badass breakout from the yeah. i don't know sort of pseudo conservative normalcy that we grew up in well it's like the clean cut superheroes archies of north america mm-hmm. was kind of like the staple of so many and then you have this like dirty grungy yeah like really punk little finger to everybody having sex with her kangaroo boyfriend love it yeah yeah so good uh, it's not your daddy's comics something i love tank girl so much oh it's attitude (sighs) i think we're due for uh somebody to take a stab at making that into a movie again aren't we yeah i would be up for that part of me would be up for that but like I don't believe the adaptations of comics are like the essential or like the the end goal of making comics. So I don't really care. Yeah. But I also don't mind them because I feel that they are separate things. Yeah, so. that's true. The Tank Girl movie is a cult classic all of its own. Yeah, it is. And that's a part of me would love to see it, but a part of me would, yeah, really want to make sure that they were very, very different interpretations because don't remake the movie. Just make one mm-hmm. based on the comic. You know Go what I mean? Back to the source mirror material and try to make another yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Off of that. See what you get. Yep. Why not? Good choice. Love it. Oh, we got a hustle. Are we getting to the end here? We're getting to the end. We're going to do, I, I'll do one more for John. Okay. And this is another double points. And <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Double points. Oh, yeah. This, yes. Come on. This, this thing that we established. <laughs> it seems that we're just making it up as we go. 700 points to Lexi. Oh, I like it. Uh, sadly behind my 999. Oh, shit. 
Infinity. Okay, so this one is uh, is, is a shared love, but we're going to go with the far side. <laughs> we were talking oh. about this when we were talking about essentials as well. It's not on either of our lists, but it definitely came up as a thing. It has to be. Larson is... In that, okay, there you can maybe see a bit of a theme with John and I. We've kind of got a love of sciency, dork, mathematical type jokes and comics, and so that's what I loved about Gary Larson. Stuff that can be on a like on a on a joke of the day calendar. That you know you're a mathematician when, but there's so many really tongue in cheek, funny little one offs that I think made comics so approachable, and that's what I. That's another thing that I liked about comics being in the newspaper is that it brought the genre Mm -hmm. to everybody. And I don't believe in gatekeeping in any form. And it's just ridiculous. It's a beautiful thing about web comics is that it democratized sort of the approach to getting, that's why I went to web comics. Like a, I'd never thought I was good enough to, to submit to a publisher. And then I found out in my early twenties, I didn't have to. And so I got into web comics hard and I did them for years and years. Web comics and then just comics in the newspaper making it accessible to just folks. And then it. having yeah. something that unites a group of people, I think is always, it's something fun and it's something that it's, you know, relatively benign and it's not a, a creepy. Well, benign's an interesting choice, especially for sort of syndicated comics, because it's interesting talking about gatekeeping and then you get into sort of the idea that basically there's no gatekeeping from a readership. You don't have to buy comics to read them. And, and that sort of um, makes them available to everybody. But everything that ran in a paper went through a syndicate and you had to be approved by the syndicate. Yep. And there's a huge conversation about sort of the beigeness of what was approved um, and what's allowed to go into newspapers. Um, so that's an interesting topic as well. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the benigning of, of the comics. Like you aren't getting your art comics or your punk comics, your indie comics coming out in those strips. And no. you get a lot of stuff that people might like quietly chuckle at, at best. Like, oh, okay. My parents would buy the far side books when they came out and specifically sometimes to see that deleted comments or mm-hmm. commentary or the ones that didn't make the cut because they were a little too risque. And I still, there was one comic in particular, and I was talking to John about it tonight, that will always make me smile because my dad thought it was hilarious because it was a goofy dad joke. And it's the the dog in the car yelling out the window to a dog on the street saying, I'm going to get tutored. And I can just hear my dad laughing still, just saying like, so stupid, and then laughing. (laughs) And just, just a little moment of joy in our dull gray lives. I think is just lovely. Oh, that's interesting. And it, it, it snuck in there in a place and for a person who might ne- necessarily read a comic or yeah. be amused with comics. Um, that's a great, interesting point. Actually, it reminds me that like Fiona's dad, British dude that he is, uh, not into comics, generally speaking, very supportive as his daughter, very proud of her. But like the one comic he loves, Bizarro. Oh, yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. By Pissarro or what that Yeah, yeah, that far side humor, that whack, wackadoo joke stuff. So. I post a lot of, or when I was teaching art lessons, I used Pissarro for a lot of, uh, you know, fun little jokes to the students and colleagues because there was some, yeah. like, it was approachable. I wasn't getting, getting get in trouble for it, but it was still like the kids would be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it runs in the national paper, yeah. so you can't get fired for it, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> you drop tank girl on their desks and you're having a conversation with at least the principal, <laughs> if not more people, superintendent. Oh, yep. It's interesting though, because it's, uh, yeah, it's just that sort of idea again of like, what what is allowed to be you know filtered through and given to people on mass and uh yeah apparently it's that type of joke later tonight you're gonna be like huh, tutored oh i'm already like I, as soon as you started <laughs> describing it i remembered the joke like yeah the comic. um so stupid there's one about like the impossible dream that introduced me to don quixote as well as uh and it was like some deacon or something at a church dreaming of being the Pope. And like the impossible dream song was like playing on the radio. <laughs> I didn't fucking get that as a kid, but I, I think I thought it was funny. <laughs> Anyhow, cool yeah. choice. Let's keep going. Uh, who's next? You. Me? All right. This one was probably inevitable, but I'm doing it anyhow. Uh, we have this, uh, this sensation of the last uh, decade or so, uh, the hottest thing that has come out of monthly comics, and it's called Saga. It's uh, by a couple of people I know named Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughan, and uh, it has basically been the standard for monthly comics and graphic novels uh, since it started coming out. Mm -hmm. It's been a wild ride to be a part of, but it's been even wilder because I'm not reading it... Uh, as a as a spouse, I'm reading it as a genuine, absolute genuine mm -hmm. fan uh, of just great storytelling and uh, two people making comics at probably the top of their game, top of the industry. And it's really cool to see and get to uh, also take along on book tours and stuff uh, in Europe. So is one of my uh, genuine, not just, you know, biased choices for essential reading. Like if you want to explore comics post 2010, you can't miss saga. Uh, and it approaches topics that didn't get dealt with, generally speaking, in comics previous to that. And it's of its time as well, in a way, but also being timeless. Anyhow, essential. Yeah. Agreed. I can't belabor that one too much, or else it starts sounding masturbatory, I guess. <laughs> like, how many times can you talk about your 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 friend and your wife's comic before it becomes weird? Uh, you get one more time. Uh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> thankfully, that is that is the list. That's it for those two showing up on this list. Final one for Fiona, though, is uh, is the Scott Pilgrim of the '80s in a way. It's uh, Love and Rockets by uh, created by uh, the brothers Hernandez, uh, Gilbert Jaime Hernandez specifically, but also Mario was part of that initially. And uh, Love and Rockets is just something else. It is mm. this sort of pseudo punk aesthetic from SoCal and like. Just this this fronting, featuring, I guess, not more than fronting, but like front manning, I was going to say, but it's weird to conjoin that with the idea of women. Like I was going to say front, man, front manning women for the first time in like pop, pop culture. Um, mm -hmm. It really featured sort of a, a cast of female characters dealing with the issues that not necessarily presented in comics up until this point. And uh, it was just sort of a wild ride. It gets you out there, beautiful art, and it just... Yeah. It is, it is a thing that you need to read if you're going to be into comics, Love and Rockets. There is 30, 40 years now of, of Love and Rockets comics you can dig into. Don't miss it. Love it. All right. We're back to you. Well, now, so I, we're through my list. Now we've just got my shout outs and I can just blast through them without necessarily talking about them. All right. Sounds good. Okay. 
I'll do the same with mine after you're done. I'll, I'll hit my last three here. Okay, so number one shout out is to Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, which was an obsession of mine when I was in college. Uh, really recommend it, especially um, I wouldn't go with Squee. I would stay with uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Um, then Monstrous. Really love Monstrous, the art specifically. I kind of bypass the writing and just look at the art. Uh. It happens sometimes, the... The art is forefront. Um, do you find the art just like, are you looking at it illustratively or are you yeah. reading it in a sort of like this person is, is talking to me using this art? I look at it as a study in illustration, like a master at work. Yeah. Interesting. Me too. That's how I've always looked at monstrous. Uh, what is her name? I, I can remember the writer, Marjorie Liu. Can't remember the artist, uh, Santa Takata. And Sana Takeda, Takeda, I don't know. Sorry. Apologies, but I, I took a swing. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful book, but I have I found myself in sort of the same realm as you, which is like, I am not largely paying attention to the story. I'm here looking at these panels and just thinking this is gorgeous and beautiful, if not necessarily my strongest example of narrative storytelling. Yes. Yeah, I, I buy Monstrous for the pictures. So yeah, I just, it's like my, uh, Monstrous is my playboy, except it's not sexual. Okay, no, actually, just take that out. That's gross. That's weird. No, just leave it in. That's funny. No, it's the joke about I, I buy it for the pictures. <laughs> I, I, I got where you were going and I like it. <laughs> uh, no, I feel the same way. It's interesting, though, if you juxtapose that with like uh, Cherazad, like we were talking about by uh, Topi, and mm-hmm. um, because he is somebody that you could look at and almost say the same thing, like, oh, I'm really looking at this for the illustrative qualities, not necessarily the storytelling, except that it's not. He is actually making these beautiful pages, but they read Mm -hmm. really well, uh, in my opinion. Strong narrative. Um, So it's interesting just putting those two next to each other and and seeing how that works. Great point. Uh, Cool. Is that that Um, your quick fire list? You got more? I have more. Come on. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Jesus, come on. A presumption uh, of <laughs> um, And then I would say From Hell by Alan Moore. Really like anything Alan Moore. I mean, it's Alan Moore for God's sake. So let's just, I, but my personal pick of the Alan Moore universe is From Hell. Just okay. because I do like that kind of, um, that storyline I find fascinating. And then um, the novelized, the graphic novelization of Stardust hmm. by Neil Gaiman. And then of course Sandman is kind of. You, you got to talk about Sandman when you talk about graphic novels. I've honestly never read it, never had any urge to. I really enjoy it. I like the world. It's not my favorite Neil Gaiman. Thousands and thousands of people do. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It just feels very 90s to me in a way that is actually uh, sort of a barrier to me to to trying to jump oh, really? into. Yeah. You know what? There's the, the TV series is coming out somewhat soon. And so I think that that'll be a, yep. a big. I'm excited for it. I'm generally a Neil Gaiman fan, yeah. so... I think there'll be a big revitalization of the comic or graphic novel. His run on Eternals is uh, definitely uh, one of the ones that was used to inspire the the movie that came out. And I thought, mm-hmm. like, a, just a great standalone story for a group of superheroes I had no idea about. Um, so that's, yeah, yeah, great writing. Good choice. Yep. And then uh, the last one is, I've already mentioned it, it's uh, by Seth. It's A Good Life If You Don't Weaken, just for another, uh, that kind of... Yeah, listless, mundane. Gen look X at, on me. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you haven't read it, it's. I, I feel like a lot of people would struggle with it because they finish reading it and be like slightly depressed. 
you're like how do i kind of like with ghost world Mm -hmm. if you've read ghost world it's kind of similar in tone and pacing it's a little bit depressing art indie comics thing from the 90s uh and basically anything from sort of the the counterculture of the 90s where it's a lot about like navel gazy shoe gazing like sort of oh society i don't want to participate yeah Yeah. i mean not that i'm disparaging her for that it just is is very very 90s it feels that way yeah very daria yeah very daria what's your what's your last fast rapid fire shout out okay these were on my list proper but i'm gonna roll through them um smile by uh comics lord reina telgemeier um smile is a book that uh was aimed at a audience that was being underserved um like ya females ya girls um is a book about reina's sort of experience um as a kid and getting braces and well i think specifically knocking her teeth out if i'm remembering correctly Mm. anyhow it's just an essentially like a just really compelling compelling storytelling from reina and like Anybody would enjoy this, but it was just like it was aimed and targeted at a group of people that weren't having comics written for them necessarily. Yeah. Uh, next up would be one of my favorite web comics of all time, Octopus Pie by Meredith Grand. Um, this is this is sort of in its own way a little bit like Scott Pilgrimy, but a little bit older. Like now you've got your own flat and you're working a crap job, and then what's next for you? And how do you navigate relationships and all that? Very millennial. Uh, Great read. Fantastic. I've been a fan of that since I started reading it in the early whatevers. Um, and then my last one on this list is another webcomic, Scary Go Round slash Bad Machinery from John Allison. Um, just some some fun British comics. Um, there's just something about them, uh, the way John Allison draws like the women in his books and the just everyone they're just engaging and fun and hilarious um can't recommend that highly enough and you know sort of essential from the web comic sort of sub sub i don't know routine sub room sub genre not a genre just sort of sub culture i guess of comics itself so stuff that i really really love um another one that i need to say because we haven't talked about um him at all yet is uh adrian tomine uh killing and dying is specifically but basically anything by by adrian is fantastic um just some of the best books you can get some of the most beautiful comics work you can run into but uh, killing and dying specifically is is a really good one uh loneliness of the long distance cartoonist is essential if you have ever been involved (laughs) directly or sort of uh uh, on the sides of, uh, of, of the comic book making, uh, community or world, it, it hits really close to home. There's a few scenes in there that are directly related to things that I'm aware of and that's, uh, or been part of, and that's really wild. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely essential stuff to check out there. And I think that's it for me. I'll wrap it up there. Do you think there's anybody we missed? We did a long episode here. We talked about yeah, it's a long one. <laughs> shit. We talked about a shit ton of comics. If you don't have something to read at the end of this, you uh, didn't listen very, very closely. Or we're doing like, th- what did, you know, some people listen to podcasts on like three times speed or whatever. Oh, yeah, definitely. I do that. Oh, my God. Do you really? I yeah. could never. 
I listen to books on like audiobooks on 1.7. Oh my god, it would make me want to throw up. Oh, it's great. It's fine. I get through it faster. Hearing people talking like chipmunks. It's not that fast. I, I guess. It just feels like the the intent of reading or, or audiobook. It depends or... on the audiobook and the podcast. There are some ones that I don't. Mm-hmm. For sure. Anyway, that's for another day. <laughs> I'm trying to be a snob about it. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I just can't, it just seems wrong. Like, I feel like there's got to be like a set way of doing certain things. Like if you want to appreciate. No disruption. Anarchy. Yeah. Then you start being one of those dickheads that talks about how you have to like watch a movie the right way and like never have it on like your phone or like, Oh, well, this movie only can be experienced in Dolby digital Atmos and a IMAX 3d screen. And it's like, I watched that fucking film on my iPhone. (laughs) Like, and it was great. And I enjoyed it. And I don't give a fuck. If a movie, if I can't pause a movie to go get a snack, go to the bathroom, find the dog, I ain't watching it, man. I'm one of those rare people that like does not prefer the theater experience. I would. Oh, we were talking about that tonight. I could never go back to a movie theater and be fine. Yeah. Meh. I mean, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Like, like just all the noises and distractions from other people and like just not being in the comfort of my own space. I would absolutely rather watch movies on my phone in bed than at a theater. It's it's sort of the same as like live music. I don't prefer live music. I'd rather listen to an album with headphones in at home where I can yell really loudly, badly sing along. I'd want to be around a bunch of other people hearing like the suboptimal recording version of like a song. Like, Oh, this doesn't sound like the great take I heard on my, on my phone earlier. Yeah. I, I think the only thing that I, I, I personally like seeing in person is like stand-up comedy. Everything else, meh. Yeah. Take or leave well, it. I think stand-up comedy probably definitely, probably definitely excels in, in, in the real. Any final thoughts on comics, Lexi, before we uh, chug ourselves along on the choo-choo train of life? Please give us money so that we can make comics full-time for life. Thank How? You. I don't know. I guess just uh, email it to Lexi. Uh, send her trans- If you could put it in an envelope oh, yeah. and just send it to me, I would appre- I will dedicate a comic to you. Yeah, if everyone huh? that listens to the show puts $1 into an envelope and sends it to Lexi, <laughs> we'll have somewhere around $500. <laughs> not enough to continue living off of, not enough to make a comic, Enough to buy a lot of pizza? I can't eat $500 worth of pizza. I'll just send it back to everybody. Sure. No <laughs> friends. Yeah. All right. Forget it. It was a bad idea. Well, thanks for hanging out this long. Hopefully you've got some good comic recommendations. Uh, we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks with another episode of Dork Matters. What are we talking about? I don't know. Maybe Lord of the Rings. We've been talking about doing a Lord of the Rings episode for nearly a year now. It's going to happen. Someday. Someday soon. We'll get to you, you hobbitses. In the meantime, dork to dork dork. Dork dork. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give a rating, and tell a friend about us. If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out our original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song Dance off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Sixiga, the Bigani, and the Gaina.
We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Métis Region 3. Dork Matters is a proud member of the Alberta Public Radio Podcast Network. 